in Europe already, banks in 2024 will be required to report on the carbon effects of the money they lend. Think about that for a moment. What is the carbon production of the money that you lend to a customer, a business? Welcome to the 5-Year Frontier podcast, a preview of the future through the eyes of the innovators shaping our world. Through short, insight-packed interviews, I seek to bring you a glimpse of what a key industry could look like five years out. I'm your host, Daniel Darling, a venture capitalist at Focal, where I spend my days with founders at the very start of their journey to transform an industry. The best have a distinct vision of what's to come, a guiding North Star they're building towards, and that is what I'm here to share with you. Today's episode is about the future of green cities and sustainable real estate. In it, we cover topics including the most impactful projects of the Empire State Building's $300 million retrofit, new innovations in sustainability, the importance of economic incentives, and the incoming regulation putting pressure on the real estate industry globally. Guiding us today will be Tony Malcolm, CEO of the Empire State Realty Trust, Inc., a leading real estate investment trust listed on the New York Stock Exchange, which owns and operates office and retail properties throughout New York, most notable being the Empire State Building itself, coined the world's most famous building. As we'll get into in this episode, Tony has transformed the almost 100-year-old Empire State Building into a shining example of energy efficiency and modernization, open sourcing their work to the world and advancing the cause of green buildings in partnership with others such as the Clinton Climate Initiative. Tony has led the development of standards for building energy efficiency and amongst his many positions is a member of the Board of Governors of the Real Estate Board of New York and member of Partnership for New York City's innovation. I've known Tony to be an intellectually forward and bold thinker, deep in innovation through family investments in venture capital and the technology industry, a man of action, mission-driven by our green city future, yet equipped with the business mind to make it economically viable and practical to achieve. So a warm welcome to you, Tony. Let's dive right in. Buildings hold a key piece to unlocking a more sustainable future. They consume 40% of the energy in the US, 70% in a city like New York, where you live, and represent billions of metric tons of embodied carbon. Before journeying five years out to what's to come, let's start with what personally drew you to real estate and what you saw as needing innovating. Thanks very much, uh, Daniel. Uh, my own background actually is in the real estate business around the dining table, family holidays, and the different ways in which I learned from my my grandfather, my father, uh, my uncle, a lot of that is just osmosis. I actually didn't start in the real estate business. I started in the private equity business. And I worked in the private equity business from 85 through uh, uh, December of 88. And then I joined up uh, in the real estate business and my grandfather passed away and my father asked me to help him out. And I, I gave him three years uh, of help. That was my commitment. Along the way, things came up. Uh, I, I, I'm still here from 1989. Uh, in general, a, a big component of our portfolio has always been a, 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 broad, a broad selection of pre-war office buildings. And what came out of that reality for me was a recognition that uh, these were buildings 
in which money had not been reinvested and we're not really competitive with with modern buildings and overall my perspective had been to improve them through modernization uh to attract better tenants and that doesn't just mean in in many cases uh, new lobbies, new elevator cabs. In many instances, by the way, the lobbies are absolutely beautiful and needed to be restored. Uh, it, it, it means deep down hard work on systems, on windows, plumbing, piping, electric risers, steam risers. And along the way, specifically uh, with the Empire State Building and the desire to differentiate it uh, and to make it competitive again and to attract tenants the opportunity to uh, to make it uh, a leader in sustainability uh, that was all part of this effort to modernize and make these buildings more economically competitive within the marketplace. Fascinating, and you know, now looking at sort of a sustainable building or a green building becoming a cornerstone of that modernization, what? That is the definition for you as a green building, or in your eyes, what does a green building look like? Well, first of all, uh, you and I have spoken before, and you know that the whole concept of green to me is, uh, is, is I think uh, it's it's unfortunate that it's become a misleading tro- uh, trope, if you will. Uh, green, many people thought the early images of green were. Uh, virtually uh, hanging gardens of Babylon. Um, You'd have plant walls everywhere. And the outside of the buildings, there were plants, um, water fountains. uh, And and that's not what we need to do in order to reduce the impact of the built environment on the environment on Earth. I want to be also very clear that buildings do not consume electricity nor do buildings produce carbon. Buildings house businesses and people and logistics which service businesses and people. And it's the very act of economic activity and life that requires the consumption of of energy. Uh, Buildings do consume energy when they are built. Buildings are basically carbon stores, just like a forest. And hence, by the way, it's very important when we look at the existing built environment to work with the existing built environment as well as we can, because every time you tear down something uh, that already exists, you essentially consume more carbon in order to produce more concrete, masonry, steel, glass, copper, all of the things that go into uh, into a building. So greenwashing is something that uh, is really when I think of green, I think of greenwashing and greenwashing is, is, is sort of subjective presentation and nice glossy pictures and, and words of intentions to do good. I, I like to think about the sustainability uh, in the following areas. Uh, Energy consumption is number one, and we need to reduce our energy consumption. It's not just fossil fuels, it's energy consumption in general. If people say, oh, we'll just get it all out of renewable energy, well, that renewable energy, the creation of that renewable energy generation, solar panels, hydro, 
wind, you have to consume a tremendous amount of carbon to produce the equipment and the systems that will produce and distribute that power. So we need to conserve energy, waste uh, redirection. Uh, we need to redirect our tenant construction debris and our actual tenant waste. Uh, and that's, that's, that, that's really important. We, we need to, we need to look at how we will uh, minimize what goes into landfills, uh, minimize what needs to be burned, maximize what can be recycled and repurposed. Water. Uh, the fact of the matter is water is uh, as precious a commodity as carbon as a problem. And water becomes more and more of a problem. Uh, we need to be able to deal with everything from store water runoff, uh, particularly since buildings are essentially impermeable and therefore they block water from entering the ground. Uh, we need to reduce the amount of water we use and we waste. And air. Air, we consider the environment outdoors, try to reduce pollutants out on the street. We need to look at how we reduce pollutants inside buildings. Uh, indoor environmental quality is critical. How much of a priority is it now amongst developers and, and building owners, uh, the notion of transitioning to a more sustainable building? Is it just something that's occurring in major cities like New York, or are you seeing it sort of more penetrating into the wider U.S. market? Well, I think the, the most advanced market uh, out there in, in total right now is Europe. In Europe already, banks in 2024 will be required to report on the carbon effects of the money they lend. Think about that for a moment. What is the the carbon production of the, the money that, that you lend to a customer, a business? In the United Kingdom, already in London, for instance, if buildings don't meet certain sustainability efficiency requirements, and I forget what the year is, I think it may be 2030, might be earlier, I forget the exact year, you actually will not be allowed to lease space in that building, period. Not that it will be worth less, you will not be able to lease space. So uh, the United States actually is fairly uh, far behind and, and I think they've really sorted things out better in Europe as to pathways to success, to compliance. In the United States, candidly, we're we're a bit behind in that. We have to sort of recognize the work that you're doing at the Empire State Building because what a what an amazing example to hold up to the world. Such a um, well-known building, now almost a hundred years old, I believe, and you've done a immense retrofit um, of three hundred million that you said that has already been. You know, paid back essentially in terms of energy cost savings. Can you highlight a little bit more some of the work that was involved in that? Let's talk about first of all buildings that are built today. One of the, the, one of the things uh, we learned, and I'll get back to the question that you just asked. Some of the steps that we've taken. Um, one of the things we learned is that when you look at the silver buckshot, you need to take a look at all the different pieces as they work together and one of the things you start with, the first thing you start with is the 
the, the, the envelope of the building, all right? You have to create a barrier to heat and you have to create a barrier to cold. Modern buildings generally are curtain wall glass. Now, curtain wall glass is simply not as efficient as it is typically manufactured today uh, compared to glass and mass, meaning masonry or with, with glass bands. And so uh, what we did at the Empire State Building, first thing we did is we went to work on our building envelope. Uh, we used insulation between the exterior uh, of the building walls and the radiators for heat that are within. And we took the windows, which were already not the original windows, because the building is about to be 92 years young. Uh, it's, uh, we, we took the thermopane windows that had been put in place, uh, and we rebuilt them on site. We actually built a window factory inside the building. Uh, we reused 96% of the original frames and glass. And we took the, the windows out and we broke them apart, uh, broke the seals, cleaned them, put on a mylar sheet, resealed them uh, with a Krypton argon inert gas in the vacuum between the panes. And we... Uh, essentially increased by 400% the resistance to heat cold transfer of those windows. Uh, once you deal with the building's exterior envelope, then you start to think about, okay, what, what, what's, what's next? Well, heating and air conditioning. Well, the number one complaint in any building is I'm too hot or I'm too cold. So you need to come up with better controls. Uh, better controls through uh, air movement and through heat. And what you want to do is have as many zones as you can and have the building tuned to provide the correct cooling and the correct heating to the correct location when desired. Most buildings today, even new ones to a large extent, someone comes in the morning and turns them on, turns on the chiller, turns on the cooling tower, turns on the heating system, and it's on. What we want is a building that says, okay, when you combine all of the areas which call for heating or all the areas which call for cooling, don't forget, sunrise on the southeast corner in the northern hemisphere or the northeast corner in the southern hemisphere is going to have, have a heavier load than sunset, which will be on the Southwest, uh, southwest or northwest corner, depending upon what hemisphere or the northern or southern face. And for goodness sake, on the other side where there is no sun, there's no reason to freeze those people in the course of how, how you put together your day. As you fine tune that demand, that's the speed at which your pumps, which circulate hot or cooled, chilled water, the, the fans that drive that air to the location where it's desired, or the fan motors uh, which run the cooling towers outside. So once you start to look at controls, what's the next area? Lighting and plug load controls. And uh, your lighting is is something where you know, we, we, we started and we developed with uh, we, we, we manufacturers of lighting equipment and lighting equipment controls uh, inboard, meaning in the fixture itself, infrared and motion detectors and auto dimming features. So in our typical building installation, a tenant installation in one of our buildings, 
within 15 feet of the perimeter wall, all lighting fixtures have to be auto dimming and auto on off based on occupancy. You control by putting the right amount of lighting where it's wanted. Number one source of fatigue outside of actually being tired, not getting enough sleep when you work in an office space is, is the wrong lighting. It creates headaches, reduces productivity. So the correct amount of overhead light, the correct amount of workspace light, actually you know, close to where you are and have it on when you're there and have it off when you're not. Plug load controls. Monitors should not be on all day if someone's not at the desk. Other office equipment should shut off. The only thing that should be left on unless you've saved your, 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 your information is your CPU, your computer. So all of these different measures together, uh, that's version 1.0 of what we did at the Empire State Building. Now, version 2.0 that we've uh, just announced, version 1.0, we looked at 64 different measures and we chose eight. Version 2.0, now there are over 250 products, services, technologies, controls, which we surveyed in order to come up with an even more refined method to control lighting, plug load, heating, ventilation, air conditioning. And, uh, and, 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 and it's really, uh, people begin to look at the building envelope now as, okay, it's not just the glass. Can we put solar, see-through solar on glass panels, right? Uh, so it's, it's actually a very exciting time. And to think that over the course, we announced our work in 2009, we started in 2007, version 2.0, we started in 2021 and finished in 2022. It's very exciting to think that over the course of those years, we were able to see such advances that we could actually have an, a, a better result also with an economic benefit, a reasonable payback period. Amazing. And, and it's also incredible that you've open sourced a lot of this work um, to the rest of the industry for them to, to benefit from your learnings too. Sounds like a lot of innovation coming down the pipe and a lot of uh, increased toolkit availability for someone like you to make a more sustainable building. How does it all gel together? Is there sort of a emergence of a software orchestration platform or a building operating system to make all of these systems work together? So, uh, sensors and building management systems. Yeah, that's what, that's what it really comes down to. And, and, and a building energy management system uh, that is actually robust, not something that just turns the lights on and off automatically. A real brain fed by an information spine through the building. And one of the neat things uh, is that because of our uh, really uh, significant leadership work that we have done, basically everybody comes to us with that anything new. And we're able to get sort of first mover advantage and understand how this all, how this all fits. Because people also know that whatever we endorse is real and we expect no payment for anything. You know, uh, and, and, and therefore we become sort of an honest broker, if you will, with real bona fides uh, who can be trusted by both industry and government for our results and what we do.
And what has been some of that innovation that's come your way in the last year or so that's that's really surprised you in terms of what it's capable to do? Well, actually, nothing surprises me uh, in that area. Innovation is, in, is incredibly strong, and as particularly as processing power becomes more and more affordable. Uh, so, you know, what we're actually what we actually look for uh, is it's just better, more efficient ways to measure and to and to affect the changes we want. What what I guess in some ways I get maybe there is something that surprises me, and that is the degree to which uh, a lot of people uh, will will try to come up with that killer solution, that silver bullet. We have the way, and that's not the way it works. Uh, there are so many different systems. There are so many different processes. There is no one solution. And therefore, anybody who comes to you with the, I've got the killer app, and this will make everything work, the answer is, well, it's impossible. You can't. Because that kind of a God solution doesn't exist. And are you seeing an increased activity of, of startups sort of looking to support that vision um, of a sustainable building and sort of increased traction in their ability to drive impact? Or is this really led by the incumbents today? I, I think it's a combination of both. Uh, certainly, there's a tremendous amount of money that's been made available uh, by the venture capital uh, industry and by research and development uh, of existing uh, companies. And there certainly are uh, a few technologies which really stand out. I would say that the the, the biggest need and the, the latest development that we, we see, we've begun to do this work in the residential area. Uh, we've begun recently to buy apartments, uh, apartment buildings in New York City uh, within Empire State Realty Trust, and there has been no work done in this area of any significance, certainly not, certainly not anything like what we've done in the office space. So we've decided to take this on ourselves uh, and probably we'll do it in partnership with the New York State Energy Research Development Authority uh, again and again create uh, uh, models based on building types which people can copy and and use for themselves in these areas. Any advice to a startup founder who's looking to interface successfully with some of these organizations and form a partnership early on given that they're unproven? What, what have you seen works well in terms of um, being able to deploy their technology and get some validation? So I, I, I think it's very obvious who the people who are leaders in this space are uh, and, and, and the, from the building side, from the ownership side. You need people who've got the balance sheet uh, and the experience to be able to afford and deploy technology. That's number one. Number two, you've got to sit down with these folks and make sure you understand what their needs are. Uh, what people think is needed does not necessarily mean that is what is needed. So that that's critical. That's absolutely at, at, at the root of, uh, of how we'll get this right. And partnership is, is a wonderful thing, period. Partnership is a wonderful thing. And the same way I said that government policy should be informed by practice, so should the, the, the private sector's development of products uh, be informed by 
the, 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 the practice and the needs uh, as demonstrated from that practice of, uh, of owners. And by the way, it's not just office buildings. We need solutions in residential, hospitality, logistics, data centers. It's, 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 it's a broad-based need. Lots of opportunity out there. And, and Tony, I know your, your expertise is around existing buildings, and that's really where your passion is. But I'd love to get your take on some of those headline-grabbing projects of future cities being built from scratch. And I think the most notable one is in Saudi Arabia with, with Neom, or better known as the Lion, a 170-kilometer-long city in the desert with no roads, no emissions, and runs on 100% renewable energy. What what is the role of those types of projects and, and how do you view them? Well, I feel a little bit like I've been asked to go through the wardrobe and into Narnia. Um, I, 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 I'm not sure what the demand is for you know, more than 100 kilometers of concrete, steel, copper, glass uh, to be manufactured and, and deposited in the desert. Um, solar, wind, great. The, the critical thing to recognize is, first of all, you need to know the market demand. Second of all, you need to know what the market can afford. And third of all, uh, existing buildings are the most efficient things with which to work. In a growing economy, in a growth economy, uh, and a country, a country, excuse me, that, that has not yet developed its economy. It's logical to think that you'll have to build a lot new, and it's most logical to build new efficiently and effectively. Uh, that said, I, I don't know what the demand is for that kind of a product, uh, and and it sounds, uh, you know, very Logan's Run slash Space Oddity. Well, Tony, we're coming up on time here, unfortunately, but before we wrap, I'd love for you to point our listeners to some of your favorite resources on the topic of a more sustainable built environment, as well as some of the thought leaders driving the industry forward so they can dive a little bit deeper. I think that the the best thought leadership on indoor uh, environmental quality comes from Professor Allen of Harvard University. I think with regard to energy probably some of the best work on this has been written by uh, amory levens of the rocky mountain institute though i would say when it comes to commercial office buildings the best work and the best thought leadership comes from our work that we've done at empire state realty trust in combination with uh, uh, government and non-government organizations there are tremendous resources available from the urban land institute uh, specifically the Tenant Energy Optimization Program, and that's a program that we actually developed and gifted to the Urban Land Institute for them to be able to distribute. Uh, there's also uh, the work that's done by the New York State Energy Research Development Authority, otherwise known as the Empire Building Playbook. And, uh, and, and, and I think that would be the, the, logical places, uh, the logical places to go. Thank you so much for uh, ending your week with us here and for um, all your insights. Um, remarkable work you're doing at the Empire State Building and your wider portfolio. So I really appreciate you taking the time to share that with us today. Thanks for taking the time, Daniel. 
and the interest to try and collect some of this information and help circulate it. It was great to sit down with Tony, who's at the center of driving sustainability forward in our existing built environment. The outcome will be healthier settings that allow humans to perform better while having less impact on the environment, unifying the needs of both businesses and climate advocates. Advances in sensors, engineering, and building management systems provides buildings through the brain, the brawn, and the information spine, as Tony so eloquently puts it, to advance them from stagnant physical objects to intelligent systems. To read up on the work Tony and his team at the Empire State Realty Trust are doing, visit their website www.esrtreit.com forward slash sustainability, where you can also download their open source playbook on the retrofits made by the Empire State. If you'd like to connect with me on this topic or are launching a software startup in this space, please shoot me an email at danieldarling at focal.vc. For more episodes, be sure to subscribe to the 5-Year Frontier podcast. And while you're there, please drop us a rating. Until next time, enjoy the rest of your day and see you at the next episode.